Monday, friends, and welcome to the podcast. I am Melissa Matheson, and I hope your Valentine's Day was full of fun and flowers, chocolate, pink hearts, coffee, and just making memories with people and friends that you love. Hey, and P.S., Valentine's Day doesn't have to be the day with the most extravagant acts of love and affection. Today's a good day, too, and tomorrow, and Thursdays. In fact, any day and every day is a good day for love loving others, and loving yourself. Speaking of love, we're talking about one of the most sacrificial and generous acts of love on the podcast today. My friend Sarah is a young single woman who became licensed as a foster parent several years ago, and she is finding fulfillment and purpose by providing a home and a safe place for kids in our community that are in transition due to family situations out of their control. Sarah is being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community by caring for God's favorite children. So grab your coffee and join us at the table. We're talking about foster care, community, and a big house in the country today on What's Next, God. Well, we always uh, usually start out talking about coffee because that's just kind of a thing. Are you a coffee drinker? Yes. You are a coffee drinker. Like every day drink coffee? Yes. Okay. At least one cup. At least one cup. It could be more. When did you start drinking coffee? Because you're fairly young. I mean... When I moved to RSM. When you moved here to Hamilton to go to ministry school <laughs> and you had to have coffee <laughs> to, to study, to study yes. and keep you awake. Um, where did you move here from? Uh, trustful. Oh, yeah. That's not far. That's like an mm. hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, about an hour and a half. From here. Is that where you grew up? Mm-hmm. Trustville, Alabama. Yes. I had a friend in college uh, from Trustville. So I I've went there. When I went to the University of North Alabama in Florence, and that was my first introduction to Trustville was my friend Jennifer. How old are you? 26. Are you 26? How long Mm -hmm. have you been here in Hamilton? I think five years might be around 2013. 2013, you moved from Trustville to Hamilton, Alabama to go to ministry school. Mm -hmm. So when you came here to go to ministry school, what did you think you were going to do? Like, what did you want to be when you grow up? Um, well, I knew and that I, the only thing I really knew of was foster parent, for sure. You already knew you wanted to be a foster parent then? Yes. I had a family that I was close to that was a foster family. And so... In Trustville or here in Hamilton? Uh, in Trustville area. Okay. So, that I was close to. And they just had a lot of kids. And, you know, just seeing their story and getting to connect to each kid. Yeah. So that was big on my heart. Yeah. And then just anything Jesus wanted me to do, God wanted me to do, that's kind of what was like wherever. So So you've known about fostering. Have you ever had friends that were in foster care or you just were just connected to this one family? Well, I connected to the family through one of the kids Mm -hmm. and then she ended up leaving through circumstances and like I had called to talk to them, and then they basically were just still said, hey, you can hang out with us, come over, be a part of the family. It was just anybody was like a part of their family. So so that was really when fostering got your heart. Because for people listening, um, Sarah is a foster parent here in our community. And how many kids do you have with you right now? Two. You have right two now. right now. So um, this is when connecting with this family really is what – put this desire in your heart to foster. Yes. So it just been a long thing. And that's even like, that's just where my course of life, I guess, went. 
Yeah, because even when you moved here to Hamilton, you jumped into like children's ministry and helping with our kids' church. Uh, I remember you were like over the cleaning team. Like you just have this heart to like serve people. And so I can see how that has always been inside of you to want to help people, serve people, and especially kids. Because I remember watching you in kids ministry and I'm like, she is so good at kids ministry. Like I, I don't know how she does that, but like here you were and all, and just to be honest, I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings, but like you were, they were, some of them were almost as tall as you. Oh, and y'all yeah. would all be in a group and it would just look like a group of kids. And I was like, oh no, Sarah's there too. <laughs> yes. And there you are with the kids, like leading them in worship and taking them to their classes. And so you've just always had a heart for kids. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So tell me how you got started in foster care, like officially. So like you have this heart for it. When did like that heart for something and that desire for something, when did it actually happen? Well, I'll start with the in between my first and second year at RSM, I was just, I kind of didn't know. I was kind of having conversation with God, like, what's next, God? What am I doing after this? Where am I going? Because I just came here on a limb and didn't know anybody. So I was like, what's next? And then I just kind of left it at that. And then we went out, we were driving around and I saw a sign that said foster parents needed. And I've never seen it before. Haven't seen it since. But like, as soon as I saw it, that clicked. Like, this is what you're here for. This is what you're in this town for. Really? In this county. So I knew then that I was supposed to be here. So you were still young, like what, 21, 22, 22 maybe? Maybe. And and you're single too, by Mm. the way. Now you are engaged to be married. We'll talk about (laughs) that in a minute. (laughs) But you were, so so here you are, a single 22-year-old girl in ministry school. You see a sign, foster parents needed. And you felt like that that was your sign. You knew that that's what you were supposed to do. Yes, that clicked. And then I just went about, I didn't know the timing or anything. So I just followed, you know, went through school and then I did internship. And then it might have been a year after that or so that it started falling in place. I had already called them and they, you have to live by yourself or everybody in the house has to be licensed. So I can't make everybody that I live with when I was living with roommates so I knew that was the next step. And as soon as I got my own place or I was in the transition, that's how I You fiance- started your classes. Yeah, my fiance fell into place. And he's friends with one of the ladies that licensed. And so it kind of all just got connected. She was actually doing starting classes like the next month. Oh, wow. So, and that's how we even started talking. So, all right. So tell me how you met Marcus. Um, when we moved to a house the landlord he was like the maintenance guy the best friend and so he was around but also like when I was moving out he heard about me becoming a foster parent and knew the connections and so because he wanted to be a foster parent too well not necessarily not yet okay he kind of put all the he knew the way to do it the way to get it all started so he kind of connected the pieces and then after that we had we started talking and became really close friends. And, Is and he older than you? We, by a few months. Oh, okay. So roughly the same age. Yes. And uh, so you and Marcus became friends. He got you set up in foster care classes with people he knew. And that's what started the process for you. Mm-hmm. And he was just there along the whole way. I mean, I even told him a couple of times, like, I don't think anything's going to happen. No, like, 
And so we were just best friends. I mean, every time. Oh, I so did there wasn't something. a romantic connection with him right away. Mm-mm. Y'all were just friends. Yeah. I mean, oh. on his side, I think it was, but on uh-huh. my side, I was like, no. And it was, was just Was it just not, him or you just, it wasn't the right time for you to be dating anybody? It wasn't the right timing. There was a moment after service, Jacob Peterson, I don't even know what we talked about, what we did, but I remember like everybody stood up and he called for something and it was like something was released and like let, let off. And I guess maybe a few days after that, a week after that, it was like whatever had been holding me back from that hurt from maybe a past relationship, whatever it might've been, it was released and it was like, okay, we can be in a relationship now. So how long have y'all been dating? A year. Okay. So, and getting married at here at the end of the year in the fall sometime. Yes. So, um, what does he think of fostering? (laughs) Because (laughs) you're fostering. (laughs) Well, I mean, that was one of my number one expectations of anybody because I knew that's where I was going. So anybody that was willing or wanting to pursue or even marry me, like before we even dated, I would tell them, listen, you better be willing to be in foster care and have a lot of kids. Like that has to be a commitment before we even. So he kind of already knew up front and he was, and he was in everything I did. He helped me. We sorted clothes for hours. I mean, anything. He house kid proofed the house for me, put up baby gates, anything before we were even dating. Like he was just there doing whatever needed to be done. Yeah. So, so what does the foster care process look like? Let's just say somebody's getting into this for the very first time. So they get connected with their local DHR and you had to take classes. Yes. You have to baby proof your house. Yes. <laughs> uh, you can't have roommates unless everybody in the house gets. Is licensed. They is have licensed. to go through the process with you. So if you're married, both both spouses have to do it. And mm-hmm. because you're getting married, that meant yes. Marcus had to get licensed as well, right? Yes. Do we say licensed or accredited? What do you say? I say licensed. You say licensed? So he had to go through that process uh, before y'all get married so mm-hmm. that when y'all guys get married. They can basically, I guess, combine. He can live in the house with you. Yes. Otherwise, y'all get married and he has to go live somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good incentive for him to get licensed <laughs> so that he can uh, live with you after yeah. you're married. Yeah. yeah. What's this process been like for you fostering? Um. Learning every day, learning. I've learned how to go with the flow. I'm very much of a, I like schedules. I like knowing ahead of time and all kinds. And that's my, been my motto, even for any kid that comes to my house. What's next? What's next? Go with the flow. Yeah. We're going with the flow. Learn every day. I learn every day something new. I mean, I'm just be willing to learn, be willing to work with it. What's the most number of kids you've had in your house at one time? Mm, I would say three. You've had three. Yes. And they range in age from you've had small children up to teenagers. Eight months to 17-year-old. Eight months to 17. And how long have you been fostering altogether? A little over two years, I would say. Wow. I can't believe it's been that long. Like, I remember when you started this process, (laughs) I was like, you go, girl. Like, when you told me you were doing that, I was like, yes, this is what Sarah was put on the earth to do, was this right here. Do you feel that when you're doing it? Like, this is what I was created to do? Yes. And like, even when they give you, like, they call, give you a call, you know, and you have the choice to say yes or no. 
sometimes they're like, you don't have, they like, you don't have to say yes. But cause I know I just, I'll say yes, just cause I feel like any phone call I get, if it ends up coming through and those kids end up coming to my home, they, I got that, I got that phone call for a reason. And those kids need somewhere to be someone to love them yeah. and show them Jesus. I mean, that's my, my biggest heart is show them Jesus and then let them know somebody loves them. is always with them through whatever they go through. Yeah. Any hard times that they, they go through. Cause if they go back home or just even in life or in the future, whatever they face, they have Jesus that they can call on to help them and to carry them through it. So, Because sometimes these kids are only in your house for a week or two weeks, and then sometimes you have them longer. You've had one of the girls with you for a, a year. year. Yes. Uh, a little boy you've had for... Uh, going on a year and a half. A year and a half. And then some of the others just kind of come in. Come and gone. Come and go. How many kids do you think so far you've had stay with you in the last two two and a half years? I've had seven like actual placements and then four um, respite care. And that's where, so, what is that? Explain that where to everyone. You, uh, help, you just, or a foster family, either they're going out of town or they need, for some reason, they need another family to keep the kids for them. And so I just keep them on the weekends or a week because form. you're licensed already. So yes. they they have to. So like if you leave town or you don't take the kids with you, you have to leave them with somebody else that's licensed. Is that how that if works? If it's uh, over a certain amount of time, okay. Yes, out of town so. overnight, weekends, things like that. It's it. I guess over. I think it's over forty eight hours. It just kind of depends. depends. Yeah. What was the, what's the greatest challenge that you've had? Cause you also work, you have a job as well as taking care of kids. You live by yourself because uh, you're not married. And if you had roommates, they'd have to be licensed as well. So you are, have been, and we love Marcus and we appreciate all his help, but you have <laughs> technically been a single mom, you know, mm-hmm. for two and a half years um, with these kids uh, and working and we're not talking about just a single mom to kids. Like these are kids that you just never know what they've had going on in their life. Like what kind of situation have they come from? And you just never know what to expect from them. What's been the most difficult thing for you so far in this process of being a foster parent? I think it's, I don't know, honestly, hearing the stories that they come from, or what they've been through, and then knowing how to help them in the best way I can, or, you know, to not do anything that could help them fall any, you know, any worse than they have, or, you know, anything laying around the house, just stuff to keep them from going further in what they've been in, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you sometimes don't know what their needs are mm-hmm. and you're trying to just figure it out as you go, I would imagine. Yes. In that process, what's been the greatest joy for you in doing this? Like what fuels you? What makes you do this? Um, I guess just one seeing the kids love Jesus. That's my favorite thing, seeing them worship, pray, I mean, talk about Jesus, but also just the smiles on their faces, and even the family, like their families, when they thank you. Because, I mean, they're going through transition, too, and just being able to be there and support them as best you can, and then them be able to be like, thank you for what you're doing. Because, I mean, 
you're taking care of their kid and for them to tell you thank you and we appreciate what we're do you're doing we see what you're doing mm-hmm. it just it I mean it breaks my heart you know knowing that I have their kid in my care but yet they're thanking me yeah you know for taking care of their kid because that's something interesting that when I found out about foster care, it was something I'd never really thought of. But sometimes these situations are temporary because the parents are just going through something and they just temporarily somebody needs to take care of their kids for them so that they can take care of things and get back on their feet. And then the kids can go back home with their parents. And for a lot of kids, sometimes this is just a temporary thing. It's not always, I think, um, kids going back and forth or to other places it is, but not always. Sometimes there are parents that just need help with the kids. They come Mm -hmm. and stay with a foster parent for a while, and then they get to go back home. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, because I think these parents really love their kids. I mean, there's some parents that if they know they can't support, that's a hard choice. Like, I can't support my kid right now. I'm going to need somebody to help take care of them. I don't have anybody. Or even like, I have to have a major surgery and I don't have anybody to help me and I need somebody to help me with this situation, you know, just things like that. Just, I mean, I haven't personally had any kids with that, but I've heard stories. And so it's just knowing that, you know, you got to have grace for the parents and for what they, you don't know what they went through, even like what their, their home life was when they were a kid. Mm -hmm. And so did they have the chance to see, Jesus, that's the way I look at it. Do they have somebody care for them, love them, teach them right from wrong, you know, and this is the way you should do it. This is the way you shouldn't. Because, I mean, if they didn't, then that's why, you know, they're going down this path. So why not be the light to try to encourage them and help them? So, Because while they're going through something difficult, they need something consistent and stable in their life. And that's what you can be. Like you are consistent. You are going to take care of them. You're going to feed them. You're going to love them. You're going to show them Jesus and just be that consistent person in their life that they need when they're going through transition. What are some things that um, most people would be surprised to find out about foster care? I mean... In my opinion, it's, I think it's fun, but I mean, some people might think foster care and they think, oh no. Yeah. You know. Talk about that. But. Because I think people have, um, have maybe a wrong misconception about what it is. So foster care is fun. I mean, I think, I mean, yes, there's hard times and yes, there's, you know, rough things you've got to get through, but overall it's, it's, you know, you get to pour into these kids you get to have kids come in and out of your house you get to love on them you get to go do be a kid I mean that's what I like (laughs) like I mean we went today and just played at the jumpy houses I mean so just anything instead of it's not like you have to sit at home and be bored and and not do anything and follow these super super strict rules and you know have to get approved for everything you get to do stuff and you get to let these kids have fun and have memories and make memories. Yeah. I would imagine that you've only been doing this for a short time, but I could see that in like 10 years, somebody's going to knock on your door and go, (laughs) Hey, Miss Sarah, you know, do you remember me? I stayed at your house. Like they're going to remember you and the things that you did for you 
the things that you did for them because what you're doing is making a difference in their life. Do you think you'll um, foster to adopt or are you just wanting to foster? Um, Fostering to adopt, which honestly, when I got into this, I didn't even, that wasn't even in my mindset. But when they were licensing me, she said, you know, if you go ahead and do this, if you get licensed to adopt and there's a kid that's in your home and happens to come up for adoption, you don't have to go through a whole nother process to become adoptive foster parent. So I was like, well, yes, that's, you know, because I never know what was going what it's going to look like or what's going to happen. Right. So I'm open to. To whatever. To any kids or to whatever. So we might have be going that path with one of mine, but yeah. And if not, I always, you know, what's the best for, you know, what's the best for the kids' lives? And is it hard for you when kids leave and oh, go? Yes, it is hard. Yes, I had See? I think one for just a month, and I mean that's like some one coming to just hang out with you for a little while, and it was just a month, and I remember it. I bawled my eyes out, <laughs> and then I was a little. I don't know what I said, but I wasn't like my normal self. And I had said something to the caseworker or something. And I had to like, I apologize later. It wasn't nothing too bad. It was just a little thing out of my character just because I was just a wreck. Emotional. So, but afterwards, getting to stay in contact with some of the families, it I was wondering about that. So you do get to stay in contact if they choose to do that? Yes, with some. That one specifically I didn't even think I was going to get to have any contact at all. And I was a mess. And then I was leaving and they came back and she was like, let me get your number because we want to keep you updated on how how everything's going because I know this is hard for you. And so it was just, I was like, really? Okay. So, (laughs) I mean, every now and then I message, you know, just how are they? How are they doing? And some I have on Facebook and I get to follow their, you know, where they're going. I've got to see one be adopted by family, a family member, and then one go back to family. So it's just great, like seeing those them go back to family because that's the ultimate goal is for them to get to be with family. Yes, yes, for families to be reunited again. Yes, for sure. We've been talking um, a lot to different people over the last month about community and like living in community. And we've talked to somebody at the county administrator's office and we've talked to police officer and we've talked to just people about getting involved in their community and like reading the newspaper and registering to vote. And to me, uh, when I thought of people that are making a difference in our community, you know, you were one of the people I thought of as a foster parent. John and Cammie Mitchell were just here talking about their adoption stories and how they're even fostering here in our community. And I think of, I just think of how much that is helping the people of our community to the children of our community and us being involved in our community in greater ways. So for people that there are two, two groups of people that are listening right now, one are people that could possibly foster and, um, we can talk about ways that they can get involved. We actually started talking about contacting their local DHR and find out, Hey, do I qualify to be a foster parent? But what if there's people that can't foster because of their situation, um, things they've got going on? How can those people help you and what you're doing? Um, well, the great community that we do have, I've had, there's just been so much already, but even 
babysitting, watching kids. I mean, if daycare closes or if you get a call for one at 5 a.m., you can't get them into a daycare. So you need somebody that can jump in and help you watch that kid so you can still do what you have to do. You still have to go to work so that you can, because you have to work in order to be able to have kids. Right. So that just people that can help you watch the community, you know, groups that just, hey, I can help you whenever you need or, hey, just message me sometime. And I ha- we have a great community. I just message people. I'm like, hey, can you watch them? Hey, can you watch them? And I've never, like, not had someone to really? help me That's so watch. great. And then another way is just clothes. I mean, shampoo basics. Because sometimes when they, a lot of time when they come into care, they have nothing. Yeah. And you can't go to the store right then. So, I mean, even after you hear maybe, hey, someone just got a, you know, a foster mom, I know that she just got a new baby. Let me run to the store for her and grab her stuff that she could need. Or even them having that stuff on hand, like shampoo or conditioner or toothpaste. Because when they come in, I mean, they want a shower. They need to get, you know, something to at least get them through the night and feel like they're at home as soon as they get there. Do you keep a closet of things like that, like stuff on hand? Or do you have to wait until kids come to you and then you reach out and try to collect all that stuff? I have... A lot of stuff on hand. I have, I mean, this last time I just pulled out stuff like toothpaste and shampoo and said, just pick whatever you want, you know, different types of stuff. And then I have clothes on hand, but, you know, it's... Sometimes you need special sizes. More stuff for some of them. Yeah. Um, So what do you do? You just reach out to people you know and go, hey, does anybody have things for a baby kind of thing? Like, how do do I know that you got a placement in your home and that you're going to need some things? I message, um, sometimes I post it on Facebook or oh, okay. I see other people's posts and I even try to like stuff that people give to me that I don't need for the specific kids I have. Yeah. I send it to other, even fo- other foster parents. And that's, I mean, a lot of people in our community have given so much to help in my home or like for me to put away. And I have fa- families that message, hey, do you have this? Hey, do you have that? And I've been able to send like bags of stuff to other foster families that get new placements that have absolutely nothing. Yeah. And so it's awesome because they're like, how do you even get this stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> the amazing, I have an amazing community, yeah. you know, that helps support and helps give stuff. Yeah. And so. Do we have, I don't know if you know this answer. Do we have um, a lot of kids in need of foster homes in our, in our county or? Do they, what do we do when we run out of homes? Do they have to send them other places? Do you they know? go to either group homes or those tend to overflow too. Yeah. Or to other counties. But if they don't have a home within, you know, a certain amount of time, they'll have to sleep. They have to sleep at, you know, they can try to find somebody for overnight. But like if foster homes are at capacity, then they have to stay at like the DHR building or so you know, we're in need of, of people to always just be always. ready in case you're if you're at least licensed, you may not have a child, but that gives somebody a place to stay if there was a, an emergency situation like this. Yeah, and there's some and you can choose to do that, right? You can just say, I just want to be emergency placement, I can't keep kids 
for, you know, long term. But if you need somebody overnight, they can be that too, right? Yes. Because one of the ones I got went to emergency placement for a night and then they called me the next morning. So, I mean, and respite. Like if you just can do, you know, if you just want to get licensed to be a respite care to help. And you can also get the emergency placements for a short, like short time care. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's good to know. So then people could say maybe I can't take in a commitment of a child for an an extended period of time, but I can do some of this little short-term stuff is a good way for people to get involved. What is your greatest personal need right now? Is there anything that you're needing? Not, uh, not right at the moment. Can you take money donations like financial donations? To cover bills and stuff? I mean, I'm sure I can. And you sure I'm you building, can? I didn't know that was I'm, illegal. <laughs> I'm building my savings account, you know. So just yeah. for us, anything that could happen when kids come into care, whatever yeah. they might need. Yeah, because, you know, even though they the state gives you a little bit, it's not near enough to cover what some of these kids need sometimes, I would yeah. imagine. Um, plus, speaking of savings account, you need a bigger house. Yes, Tell me what your vision is. What is your dream? Right now you're living in an apartment. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And you can have up to five kids um, with you. Uh, You're getting married. Yes. Here in several months. And but you want a house. What kind of house? Let's dream about your house for a minute. What do you what kind of house do you need, Sarah? Uh a big house. At least five bedroom is our is the vision I want. Because you can be licensed for up to eight kids right here okay so Mm. a five-bedroom house yes in town Mm. or out of town uh i guess maybe kind of in the middle not too far out of town but maybe a little bit out of town that's just what marcus prefers living in the country country with a little bit of land so like so they can run or you know they can go outside and run around and play yeah you know and have fun without having to worry about them running out the road and you know getting run over on a highway on the main street. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, and you think you want to rent, right? You want to rent maybe at first until you can buy your saving up to eventually have a house. And then buy. Yeah. yeah, Cause you want to stay here in the area. Yes. Cause that's where I feel like I'm going to be. So, wow. Did you ever think that you would just like live in Hamilton, Alabama forever? (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Especially being from a big growing city and then, I mean, I love it here. Absolutely love it. I going yeah. back, I'm kind of like, oh, I need to go back to Hamilton now. <laughs> yeah, the traffic. Oh yes. my goodness! Every time I drive through there, the traffic is yeah, it's intense. Rough. Yeah, there are conveniences, you know, restaurants and shopping. But who has time for all of that <laughs> when you have that many kids? If you ended up with a full house, eight take kids. them all to the store. It's fun. So, what do you think that that's going to look like for you having your own children one day? You think you'll still foster at the same time? Definitely. I don't think we plan on, I don't plan on stop, you know, at all. And honestly, I don't, I've kind of been like, God, like kids, yes, no, you know, my own and Mm -hmm. I'm for whatever he wants, but I'll foster no matter what. Yeah. So fostering for the rest of your life, this isn't something you're doing in a season of waiting until something else. This is it. Like this is the purpose for your life and this is what you are doing. Yes. And getting married. Yes. And uh, what's your new last name going to be? Spain. Spain. Sarah Spain. (laughs) Um, Hopefully adopting. 
one day, maybe lots and lots. If you ever adopt, does that change the number of foster kids you can have or no? I don't think so in the state of Alabama, but... So they you could adopt like all the time. 12 and 15 kids and then <laughs> they eventually move out of the house and then you have more you can adopt. There you go. So, I, yes. I was uh, reading about uh, a couple in their 60s that were still fostering. They'd been fostering for like 40 years or something crazy. Mm-hmm. And they had adopted like 20 kids. Yeah. <laughs> that were all grown, that had grandkids, and and she was talking about holidays and when they all come home, There's and then so many. on top yes. of fostering, and they had had like six hundred kids come through their house in yeah. all the years. I was like, oh my goodness! I was like, yeah. this is Sarah Roberts. Yes, one that's day. the family. That was my dream. <laughs> I mean, I've always said I could have up to 20 kids and be totally okay. I mean, yeah, Marcus kind of strokes at that, but yeah. I'm like. <laughs> It'll be okay. We'll survive, you know. This is so. what trusting Jesus <laughs> looks like. I think I get overwhelmed. At, okay, wait. How do you feed 20 kids? Like, how do you feed 20 kids? How do you close them? Slowly the train me for that with the, with the other family, like, seeing. Because I think at one point there was 20 people living in the house. Oh, really? This family so, you knew in Trustville? Yes. Yeah, so they oh, were just so, wow. they're big. I still, you know, talk to them and everything. Oh, that's and cool. And stay connected. And they adopted a lot of kids. And then they were fostering. And I just got to watch, like, like I said, God prepared me for a while. Like, even through the stuff they went through. I mean, some of the stuff that could be yucky with foster care, you know. And I watched them push through it. And, you know, he was like, you could deal with some of this. And so he was like, are you, you know, are you ready for this? And just through a lot of stuff. But anyways, they had a lot of kids and a lot of taking care of. They had certain days, like they washed certain boys' clothes on this day, girls' clothes on that day, teenagers this day. And then food, like I never thought about taking a pan that you put in the oven, like a little sheet pan, and you put it on top. Of the on the eyes and you cook grilled cheese like seven of them at one time so <laughs> all the tricks so yeah so I just got to like I'm even thinking of vehicles like how do you transport twenty people a like van, to the a store at a church like what does this look <laughs> like and I know they make a TV show about big families and stuff before but I don't ever watch that kind of stuff but <laughs> I'm like looking around my living room right now like what would I do with twenty kids like I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, cause we have family. I, I'm a big family. I'm one of 10 kids in my family, <laughs> but there was never more than five of us pretty much at home at one time. So, um, we had a, we had a minivan and, but it wasn't ever, uh, two Brady bunch of she, it was never like, <laughs> Oh, we have so many kids in our house. So it was a little different for me. I never had my own room though. I always had to share mm-hmm. a room cause there were so many of us. Um, so, but I love having, I love being a part of a big family. Like now as an mm-hmm. adult, holidays and stuff are the best. It's never at all moment when there's all the kids around and Someone wants to go to the pool and someone doesn't. I mean, you'll find somebody that wants to do what you want to do out of the family. Yeah. When they're that big, so. Yeah. So I imagine every every child that comes into foster care that their story is probably different. But do you have ways that you think about when kids come into care? Do you ever try to put yourself in their shoes and like what they might be experiencing? Is that helpful for you? Because I imagine they're all different. I mean, I do the best to try to imagine what they're doing. And I give them a lot of grace and I try to explain, you know, in ways like I know that you're probably 
terrified right now. I understand. Yeah. And if you want to just stay in your room, I don't pressure anything. I uh, let them choose, you know, the first night. Let's go eat. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Do you want to get stuff for your room? Do you not? You know, I try to give them as much space, especially because it's not going to be a one night thing. It's going to be weeks and months of them getting. I mean, it's a whole new world, a whole new family. Everything's been ripped away from them. Everything they know is gone. And they're just stuck into a whole new family. I mean, like if that if we left and just got put in a family with no say, like how would we feel? Yeah. Because they may not, even as kids, fully understand what their parents have done or that they've done anything wrong or they just know, hey, I have to leave and I'm not going to get to go home. I have to go stay with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could imagine there would need to be a lot of grace for kids Uh, But asking them questions and giving them choices, is that anything that they respond to? Or have you ever had any that just went to their room and closed the door and said? Uh, We've gone out to eat, like the, you know, the older ones, the younger ones, it's kind of, you know, go with the flow, like two and under. Yeah. But I haven't had many in between. Okay. But the older ones, like teenagers, they out to eat. Yes, let's go. I mean, you don't know what they have, you know, they've had a chance to have in their life. So letting them pick and letting them go. But even when you go out to eat and you eat, even if they, you know, make comments or do certain things, it's just it, they're in a situation. You just have to have grace upon grace about everything that goes on because they're just in a, thrown into the situation. And they're, you know, they want to find something to have control over just because, I mean, they have no control over anything. That's yeah. been everything's been pulled away, and so I think that's what I I try to give them stuff to have control over. Like, choose where to eat. What do you want in your room? What kind of shampoo do you want? I mean, just anything. Do you like this? Do you want to? You know, I, do you sleep with a fan? Do you not sleep with a fan? Do you yeah. need a noisemaker? Just anything that they feel like they get to have a say and have some control in. Yeah, that's actually a really good thought. I had never thought about that because they don't get to control their situation or what their parents have done or the reason that they're even at your house, but they mm-hmm. are going to get to choose at your house those little things. And that doesn't cost you anything mm-hmm. at all, but just letting them choose. Yeah. And so. then if they like to do certain things, you know, let's go do something. Or I try to make sure birthdays, I mean, I've had one that came to me the day after her birthday and didn't get to do anything the day before just because that's the situation. Yeah. I mean, getting taken away from where you're at and putting into a stranger's home on your birthday. So, you know, I gave it a week and then we went out and did something, you know. Yeah. So she could enjoy it. But just trying to incorporate anything that they like or might want, food, stuff they say. When you have multiple kids in your house, do they uh, fight like siblings do sometimes, like like real brothers and sisters? <laughs> the last two, well, I had two, the two teenagers, and one, she was like, I had to go to the bathroom on the side of the road because <laughs> she came home and needed to go to the bathroom, but the other one was in the shower or something and like cut off the shower and then cut it back on. And she really had to go and couldn't make it to the, she was going to practice or something and couldn't make it. She was like, I had to go on the side of the road. I was like, oh my goodness. Teenagers are, I mean, yeah. they're dramatic and they're funny and silly. And yeah. so it's great. But 
just hearing some of the fun stuff. I mean. Because those are still memories that these kids are getting to make at your house, even if they'll laugh about them one day. (laughs) I'm sure she still laughs about it now. And then she gets up in the morning. She's like, I got up at I don't know, seven o'clock. She was trying to beat the other one to the bathroom to the or six, six 30. And she don't get up till seven and or seven 15 has to be at school at seven 30. So oh. she was like, I got up early to make sure I got to get ready and go in the bathroom. And yeah, it was already taken. <laughs> you know what you need is like, you need like a dorm style of <laughs> boys bathroom here and a girl's bathroom here. And then there's, you have like five sinks over here and five showers and <laughs> just do it like locker room style. Mm. Tell Marcus to get on that for <laughs> your um, new house in the basement. He can um, do like shower rooms for the guys yes. and girls. And then that way there's a shower uh, for everybody available and everybody has their own sink and their own. Mm. Wouldn't that be cool? Hot water is our thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had two teenagers and me trying to get ready and hot water. You no. need a tank. Tankless hot water heater. Put that yeah. on your wedding registry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when you and Marcus get married. We need a tankless water heater for our house, please. So, well, I want to, I just want to um, just start you a wish list with God. You know, like these are the yes. things, God, that Sarah needs. She needs a house, a big house with lots of rooms yes. for all these kids, with a yard for them to play in. Because I think that God can just do anything, oh, Sarah. Yes. And what seems like an impossible thing that he can come in and go, oh, she does need a house because I've got more kids that, uh, that I need to go stay with her. So, yes. Um, I want to get invited to your house when you hit it. Yes. (laughs) That work. Thanks for talking with us today. If you've got a big house connection for my friend Sarah somewhere here in the Hamilton, Alabama area, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't take her long to fill it up with kids who need a bed and a family. And if this topic of foster care is something you'd be interested in learning more about, contact your local Department of Human Resources and see how you could be a part of helping kids in transition, whether that is donating your time, your resources, or just getting licensed yourself. Friends, so glad you joined us today. And if you want to get connected on social media, we've got a Facebook page for the podcast you can go like called What's Next God Podcast, or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook under the name Melissa Matheson. That's math, like four plus one equals five, I before E, son, S-O-N. We'll be back here on Wednesday talking with some of my friends about the camels coming. We'll hear their story of how they met, dated, and married. So come join us on Wednesday as we sit around the table, have a cup of coffee, and talk about what's next, God. Bye.